Maxim of Magic's best. Well, what's up? It's not a train. It's a prison version. Travelers, oh, that's Lou Loeb. You have found the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki, me, Olaf Phillips. I'm here with Dave Allen tonight. We're broadcasting. We broadcast live every Thursday night from 10 p.m. to midnight on KAADLP. I'm going to mess that up forever. 103.5 FM here in Sonora, California. Wow, a lot of stuff going on right now. So I hopefully you heard the uh, Bigfoot promo. <clears throat> They're going to have a Bigfoot Fest up there in Twainheart. Uh, definitely show up for that. Um, I'll be there definitely on Sunday. Stop by the K-A-A-D-L-P booth and uh, win some prizes. Get some free pens. I have some other crap that you guys can get. Uh, stop by, say hi. Uh, tell me you actually listen to the show. Uh, that would be good. <laughs> Um, and don't forget, we are podcasting this. Uh, we're found on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you'd find better better podcasts, uh, we're there every week on Fridays. I upload. <clears throat> God, I love that song. I just I gotta do it. I, I gotta do it. It's the Art Bell thing. I, I just I gotta do it. <laughs> so I'm here with uh, Dave. Uh, he. Wanted to come back and talk about some other stuff, uh, some 14 stuff. And uh, I'm working on getting some guests, uh, so that is coming very soon. 
Um, but yeah, yeah so the, the guest has now become the uh, co-host. Yeah, and I got to be honest with you, Dave. I really don't mind. <laughs> it's yeah, well, fun. Uh, he mentioned to me that uh, he sees me uh, unfolding on my journey, so it's fun to watch. Yeah, that's what I told him. You know, I, I'm a self-identified fortean, and I think Dave is uh, is starting his fortean journey. Right. He's I, a fortean. He just doesn't know it. Right. Yet. I was uh, closeted. You were a closet fortean. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, tonight on The Journey, yes, uh, we're going to talk about uh, our suggested topic Okay, is uh, these uh, coincidences. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Yeah, well, that's exactly what we're going to uh, talk about. So I'm, I'm sure everybody has experienced it, that there seems to be these chains of kind of related events. And then they lead to something, consequences. And then uh, you try to look back and say, how did this happen? And you look back and there was like these uh, uh, series of coincidences that happened that kind of uh, led you to this place where you're at. And you wonder how this developed. And then there had the feeling that some intelligence or something greater yeah. than yourself Absolutely. has kind of directed the course along those lines. And it's uh, so we're here to talk uh, tonight about one of another life's little mysteries. <laughs> you notice I had to cue the tiki music for this one. Right. <laughs> it seems to fit. No, I mean, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't think there are coincidences, I think there are synchronicities. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I wasn't really hip to that. Uh, but when you lo- I looked into my life, I found that even as a, at an early age, <laughs> um, things happened to me in my life that kind of led to where I am now. Oh, yeah. And of course, you have choice. I mean, of course. choices. But every once in a while you say it seems to be something larger than myself that these things fell together in the way that it did. You know, I I had a friend who was going through a hard time. And the way that I tried to kind of explain this notion of synchronicities to him was that as you live, right, it's kind of like you're on, you're in a current in a river. Or as I, as I more, I like to explain it more metaphorically that you're on the road, like you're on a freeway. And when you drive down the center of the lane, it's very smooth because that's where everybody drives. So it's very smooth. You just kind of go along. Things happen the way they're supposed to happen. People come into your life and out of your life and, you know, chaos and not chaos. And it just is the way it's supposed to be. But as you start to veer to the left or to the right. And, you know, there, there is a metaphorical context of the left versus the right, you know, in, in that kind of uh, discussion about, you know, left-handed path, right-handed path. But that's a conversation for another day. But as you veer away from the center, things start to become bumpy and rocky because it's kind of like you're going out of the lane and into where all the junk is that they throw out of cars or, you know, they sweep off the freeway on accidents and whatever. So I told him, I said, you know, where you're at, you've drifted 
into the into the side lane and you're driving over all the coke cans and you know the debris and it makes your life bumpy and miserable i said you've got to steer it back toward the center that's my belief well i kind of lead toward this thing that uh that it's all the fault of the earth coincidence control office okay tell me more echo Uh, go for it okay this sounds so, like a Twilight Zone I saw, by the way. All right. So it's 1964. I'm 12 years old. I got this pure uh, steel bicycle. It's like one gear, you know? Steel and, bicycle. Yes. Yeah, it had real, to be very heavy. It was very heavy. <laughs> okay. Very heavy, very old bike, even by those standards. Yeah. And... Uh, so I take off, you go down Dakota Road. This is in the East Bay. Yeah, I know where Dakota Road is. Okay, and then you uh, hit what used to be the little town of Dumbarton. Right. Uh, there was a two-lane vi- uh, bridge. That's where Harold and Maude was filmed, right? Under the Dunbarton that. Bridge? Yeah, but the old one. The old one, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Before it was four lanes. <laughs> yeah. And then you're in the Baylands. Right. Yeah, and, it's like a marsh. Yeah, so there's this place called Coyote Hills. Okay. And what was cool about Coyote Hills is this was a former Nike oh, yes. uh, missile base. They're that, all over. Uh, they actually had two of them there. But you know what I noticed about it being a military base like that? Oh, it was still active when you were you were riding your no, bike around? No, it was right when, okay, when now they here's the story. Okay. It was right when they shut it down. Okay. And they decommissioned it, I think, in 62. And they actually had two facilities there. Right. And uh, they left the one with the radio antennas and which became the National Guard radio antenna thing. Okay. But I, you know, and I don't know much about missiles. The silos, they were still there and stuff. All the buildings, the administration buildings and stuff was there. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I remember this image of that revolutionary soldier with oh, right. his rifle. Yeah, the know? National Guard thing, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> The musket. Uh, I think there, later on I found out there was like two sets, two locations, and they had 24 missiles each. So that's quite the yeah, so, armory, man. So typically the way Nikes worked is that one Nike battery would have two silos, and then there were three to four launchers per silo. So it wasn't uncommon for there to be eight launchers, and then they would have about, I think they had about 12 or something underground, the Nike Hercules and Nike Zeus. So when uh, I went down there, Uh uh, it had been decommissioned, and a guy, a scientist from the Stanford Research Institute took it over. Oh, that's right. That's right. And this guy was uh, uh, Thomas Poulter. Okay. And uh, what's cool about this guy is that he uh, he went on the Arctic cruises with uh, Admiral Byrd. He was part really? of the team. And the, the big one? Hop- Operation High Jump? I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, oh, he, wow. uh, as a matter of fact, he's credited with saving at uh, Byrd's life. life. Okay, so you know about this dude, sort of. Sort of. So, okay, so I know what, about High Jump. Anyway, he was... Um, uh, measured the ice using sonic seismic uh, okay. stuff. So they took him along. He was going to measure the ice, right? How okay. deep the ice was. And that was his thing, like this sonar. Okay? Right. 
So uh, when he uh, retired from doing that, hopping around the Antarctic with the Avril Bird, he settled down at the uh, Stanford Research Institute. Doesn't everybody. <laughs> and uh, opened a biosonar laboratory. In a Nike missile silo. Yeah, because it had all the buildings and stuff yeah. there. And uh, uh, there were two pools there to house the marine mammals uh, okay. that they were uh, but they were testing uh, come to find out they were only testing uh, uh, the marine mammals but people as well it was echolocation biosonar well, makes sense it's okay. SRI I mean and, yeah and I think it was probably uh, uh, financed by the military oh I everything SRI did was <laughs> I mean SRI was big into alt, MK Ultra. You know, well, we'll they, get there too. Okay, okay. But I'm, 12, I'm gonna shut up. I, I'm 12 years old at this point, right? So I you're mean, not in MK Ultra yet. No, I don't know anything about any of this stuff. No, it hasn't broken. Yet. Okay, but what I knew is that I heard the sound of all the seals. Oh sure. And uh, and every little 12 year old kid uh, on his bicycle is going to find that tear in the chain link fence. Right? Of course. <laughs> Who doesn't? Especially in a military installation. So I could see. That's good, good fun right there. <laughs> a former nuclear equipped military installation. So they were like, in order to see the seals, it was two chain link fences. <laughs> so I didn't get a, couldn't get a good view. And I see, found the hole in the fence. Of course. And went in there. And then there's only one chain link fence. And I'm glad there was. You know, yeah, it makes it a little easier to break bro. in. Uh, and, you, and I was sitting there watching the uh, seals just fascinated with uh, their barks and playing around, jumping in and out of the water and stuff. Sure. Then all of a sudden, I hear my voice. I hear a voice. And it says, uh, the voice says, well, you know, actually, they're not very good at echolocation. <laughs> That's why we're testing them. <laughs> and, and I look up, and there's this guy. Just appeared out of nowhere. He's a little small child. Let me teach you about echolocation. Well, yeah, that was the thing. He didn't say, kid, get out of here. What no. the heck are you doing here or anything like that? He started sharing with me the research, right? Like I'm on the, the grand tour or something, right? That's hilarious. Yeah, it, it actually was. It and, is. <laughs> so he said they kind of grub around with their whiskers. Their whiskers yeah. are important to them. Right. And uh, he says, actually, people are actually pretty good at echolocation or better than the seals. Really? And then later on, I found out about the Batman. Have you ever heard of him? He was born blind. I think so. And he could ride a bicycle. Uh, he was just amazing. We do it clicking with clicks. Yeah. And uh, Like they, a bat. They would put something in front of his uh, eyes and then the part of the brain that for sight would light up and he could tell you what it was without touching it or anything. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah, it was the Batman. The Batman. Yeah, I don't know what his real name was. He started a training institute for the blind. That's probably so. that's actually probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, you know, you know, uh, before you continue, you know, th there's a synchronicity here. Because usually I, I wear this hat and it has a weird symbol on it with like a like a missile and lightning bolts. It's the one you probably well, the first time I ever came here. That hat is actually from SF88, which is the Nike the last operational Nike missile 
silo in the world. And it is located in the Marin Headlands. And that's one of my favorite places to go is to go to SF-88 because they, you know, they, you take the tour, they got the elevator, it lifts the nuclear. Oh, really? Yeah, it lifts the nuclear. They open the launch wow. doors, lifts the nuclear missile up, puts it into firing position, and rah, 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 the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, over at Coyote Hills, what they have now, what I'm talking about now is the visitor center for a regional park. <laughs> okay. And instead of a missile, they got a Thule Reed boat. The cool thing about it being a military thing is it rescued the middens, the, the shell mounds that were yeah. there. And uh, most of the rest of them disappeared. Yeah, they're all gone. And uh, so the shell mounds were are still there. Yeah, it's actually sad. You drive down Shell Mound Drive over the shell mounds. <laughs> over the shell mounds, yeah. that's exactly right. But you, now, now I'm going to give you a, a very interesting synchronicity. That, that ties you to the Bigfoot Fest in, over in Twainheart at the end of August. Okay. Okay, so there were a number of, and then I'll let you get back to your story. There were, I happen to have an obsession. We got two hours. That's true. Well, we have an hour and 40, 42 minutes. All right. Okay, so the Nike thing was huge, right? And they had Nike missiles all over the West Coast in general. But within the Bay Area, there was a Nike missile site inside the San Francisco Zoo. I mean, they're everywhere, right? Wow. And they're mostly destroyed now. There's just SF-88. Yeah, they dug them all up. For the most part. Wow. And actually, up on Mount Umanum, you can you can go up to Mount Umanum and you can see the old radar tower. It's this like four-story concrete rectangle. And they put the big dish on top of it and they had a whole military Air Force station up there. And that was the fire control system for all the Nikes in the Bay Area. Yeah, I think they still use the uh, antenna system at Coyote Hills for the National Guard communications. Probably. Well, the FAA actually tends to take them over because they're well positioned and they're high up. But here's the interesting thing: there's an island. There's two main islands in the in the bay. Okay, one, one in, <laughs> He's dancing. One is one is Alcatraz, which is super haunted. And then the other is Angel Island. Angel Island, on the top of it, had a Nike missile site, okay? Angel Island is also the source of quite a number of Bigfoot sightings in the Bay Area, on an island in the middle of the Bay. So I brought it all back for you, man. Well, that's, you that's know, Jack Elaine can do it, so could Bigfoot. <laughs> uh -huh. I met his daughter once. Yeah, he used to come here to really? Columbia for some reason. He loved Columbia. He's quite a guy. Okay, so I, I, I derailed you with the synchronicity, no, no, no. but you go for it. So anyway, here I am, a 12-year-old boy, and I got caught red-handed breaking into a, the biosonar lab to look at the seals. And the guy that appears next to me, uh, instead of chasing me away, starts filling me in on his research. You're right. Okay. Okay, and he was the typical, like, scientist-looking dude. The horn rim, or the wire rim glasses. Pocket The protector. shock of uh, hair oh, yeah. going up, you know. Sure. And, uh, and, and then he says, um, and it, it, it seems like magic or something. He says, but Cretaceans, on the other hand... <laughs> And all of a sudden, in the pool furthest after the pool, after the seals, uh -huh. but you couldn't, it was pretty obscured. It had a bunch of chain link fences. I'd have to look through three 
You'd have to break and, through three fences for that one. Huh? No, no. I mean, like the beginning of the seal enclosure, the end oh, of the okay. seal enclosure, the beginning of the dolphin enclosure. And, oh, that's what happened, is he says, you know, dolphins on the other hand, and he actually raised his hand. Toward the sky. And three dolphins leapt up over the chain link fence. So I really? As, as he's rising that. his arm. It, it sure seemed that way. Wow. And I don't see how the dolphins could have seen him. Tele but they jumped across oh. each other, you know, like you see. Telepathy. Um, they te SRI tested that, by the way. Uh, and he starts filling me in wow. on uh, uh, this dolphin thing, okay? Okay. And he says they, uh, they see with sound, and they see it in three dimensions. So... Did you know when they emit their little frequencies, it's actually two beams going out? No. Yeah, they're talking in stereo. Really? So this guy muses, so if we're going to talk to the dolphins, we'd have to use stereophonic words. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. And they had this high-frequency sonar that they used to actually... So when dolphins communicate with each other... Um, their whole body quivers. Really? Um, they're absorbing the information. Okay, so what this guy is trying to tell me is that, it, so it, you, you teach a, a one dolphin to run a, a maze, okay. and then you put him in with other dolphins, and without ever having um, run the maze before, they all know how to do it. So... Um, uh, what this guy does says is that they actually can transfer the neurological experience. That's crazy. And put it into the other. Dolphins have 40% larger brain capacity than we do. Right. Okay. And actually put it into the other dolphin. And so what he amused um, was that he wondered if whales created poetry and that it would be these ancient vocal histories that oh, yeah. every young whale has to learn to pass on to the next generations. And they do it by creating montages of sound, but the receiver is so sophisticated, it becomes like firsthand experience. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so, wild. So then the guy, oh, and also when we were over there, he goes, hey, you want to see something? And he took me over, and they, for some reason, they had a badger. <laughs> a badger? badger? Yeah, in a cage. Okay. And um, So young young child who broke into a military base here, look at my pet badger. No, I, th I think it was a surprise to him, too, because uh, it seemed okay. like he just discovered he was kind of amused. Like, oh, a badger. <laughs> amused by I wonder it. if they use echolocation. Well, you know, it might have been. I don't know. Uh, they did have the back buildings and found out later they did test people with echolocation, too. That doesn't and, surprise um, me. Uh, um, so, yeah, this badger, he says, see how it puffs up when it feels threatened, and it does like a back of a pit bull. The whole thing, mm -hmm. like, swells up. And, yeah, it arches. And, uh, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, so that impressed me. I bet. And then he says, well, make sure you read my book. <laughs> and he tells me the name of his book, and then okay. uh, he's gone. So He I just got, vanishes. Well, no, I don't know, because he didn't, like, say goodbye or... 
Are you better get out of here now, kid, or? I'll just walk around for a while. <laughs> Check out the badger and the dolphins. We have some no, crustacea, too. No, you had to, like, go into the building and then back out to get to the dolphins. I, I couldn't go. I'm surprised he didn't take you to no, the No, he didn't. He didn't that, take that's, me. That's a downer. He just kept me on that one side. He was more intrigued by the badger. So the name of the book was Man and Dolphin. Okay. It was a bestseller. The library had... They had all these uh, copies. It was in paperback, man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, and then in that book, what he proposed was that here in the next few decades, we're going to be forced to communicate with non-human bio entities. And uh, what better way to learn how to do it? than with the alien civilization that are, is already here. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, the, uh, the, dolphins. the dolphins. And so we started on this big dolphin research kick. And one, one of his, so, you know, I, I went back there a couple more times and I don't know what happened to me, maybe because then I turned 13 and kind of everything changed in my life or something. Yeah. But I remember going back there and then never seen, because I never saw anybody. I was the only guy I ever seen. And uh, then I went back there after a while, and it was closed down. Everything was everything was gone. But so I don't know what happened all that. But uh, that's weird. That is that is genuinely strange. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's uh, the beginning of my. Uh, so I wonder if uh, people know who John Lilly was, really. Because he is the kind of my generation kind of guy. You know? I don't think so. I d so anyway, John Lilly yeah, was this neuroscientist. So. And he researched the physical structures of the brain. And then, so he, uh, he what he set out to do, he says, I'm going to map the brain. And uh, they had already been doing experiments like that, you know. Uh, they would uh, strap these rhesus monkeys down and cut off the tops of their craniums and oh yeah, stick start, the electrodes right in and their brains. then uh, do alligator clips <laughs> into their brains, like not like yeah, no, they would literally stick wires in the rhesus monkeys' brains. You ever see that game it's Operation? Bad. It was like Operation. <laughs> it's not funny, but it it is funny. It's just weird. <laughs> Okay, so but this, they seriously did do that. Yeah. yeah. So this guy came in and revolutionized everything. Okay, so he figured out a way to implant electrodes targeted into the brain, and it's kind of like a hypodermic needle that he would put in. And he says it, it, it was not much more than what you get when you're putting a hypodermic needle in. Okay, and then he hooked it up to a TV set. So he learned how to image the activity of the brain. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, then he started, what he realized is he had to hone it down so the neurons get damaged. You keep shocking right. it. <laughs> so what he says, how can I do this and never damage uh, what I'm sending the shock to? So he came out the uh, came up with this thing called Lily's <laughs> Wave. It was okay. just the right frequency, just okay. the right. Uh, so what it would do is alternate, alternating current. So it would go <clears> one way and then come back backwards. 
oh, wow. back and forth. So uh, it even so it was just the right. And you know what that resulted in later on? No. Neuroprosthetics. Oh, okay. And so he was an innovator at that. Sure. He believed the brain was like a biocomputer. He came up with that. Phrase. No, it is a biocomputer. Yeah. So he. Uh, so the first thing he wanted to do was actually map the brain. Okay. Okay. Well, this took the. Uh, pretty soon, he's working at uh, National Institute of Health, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> and he's got access to all the equipment. Everything. Right? He's got access to everything, right? Everything. <clears throat> and uh, so he's running these tests. And then he says, you know, I pretty much mapped the brain. And he did. He was the one, though, that, I, you know, where the monkeys would hit the button and hit the pleasure thing. Right. And they kept hitting it and yeah. got all addicted. And, yeah. and eventually they had to terminate the experiment because they were killing themselves with pleasure. It's true. <laughs> they got addicted to, yeah. They were all right. So hideous. that was him. You know, but uh, he tried to do it in the most. So he developed all that stuff: the imaging, brain imaging, act, uh, activity of the brain, uh, all that stuff. And then he, he goes, "Okay, I mapped the brain pretty good." And he says, "So now I'm going to map the mind." So, okay. if you think of the brain as the hardware, well, uh, he's going to uh, check out the software, right? So there was right. this discussion going on at that time that a brain is just a uh, processing stimuli. That's what, right. it, what it does. And then regulates. It's regulator and processor. That's actually a fundamental tenet of neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. So, yeah. The NLP. Oh, yes. The NLP. The NLP. Sounds, sounds nefarious, doesn't It's it? pretty nefarious <laughs> if you know how to do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There was... Uh, Marianne, this lady I used to work with, and she everything was a disaster. Oh, it's a disaster, it's a disaster. Then she started going to NLP, and then she realized her words that she was putting out was yes. creating yes. the uh, situation. Oh, so yeah, no, there's this whole thing. There's a there's a guy, he's like a magician in England. called Dar His name is Darren Brown, and he specializes in brainwashing people to do weird things. And so, you know, he has this one, it's called the heist you know, and he basically uses neuro-linguistic programming to um, program five people or four four people to uh, rob an armored car. And the trigger the trigger is a Jackson Five song. So when they hear the Jackson Five song, they they're triggered and they get all amped up and they're like, "I can't wait to rob an armored car." And they literally robbed an armored car with a BB gun. Well, you know, in a way, I mean, it's very NLP is very powerful. You're going in the kind of the direction that I'm going in. So right. National Institute of Health, right. they want results. Yeah, uh, what, I can see that. Okay, so Lily, what, he says, well, I mm -hmm. mapped the brain, now I'm going to map the mind. And there was this argument going on that if, if you deprived your senses of oh, all yeah. stimuli, the, the mind would just shut down because that's all it does is process the stimuli. And he uh, wanted to test that. So uh, he created the isolation tank. Right. And uh, he would go into these tanks and fill with Epsom salts, controlled temperature and stuff. Right. So you're deprived of all your senses. But what he discovered is not only does your mind not shut down. No, you start you tripping. You uh, start seeing other realities that you oh, weren't yeah. aware of. 
Yeah, you. They actually did that during MK Ultra. That they did experiments, and apparently, yeah, you see other realities, you see other worlds, you see the entities. You, a lot of people saw the praying pray mantis man. They're they're like human <laughs> prey mantises. But the one thing they did figure Dreamscape. <laughs> it's like dream yeah. Or what's what's that other one? Um Videodrome. They or, actually made some movies of Lily's research. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, one was called Day of the Dolphin. Oh right. Uh another one was it was and that's like it's the uh the guy's training dolphins and then come to find out he's training for some uh deep state military that's gonna assassinate the president. <laughs> okay. And then the other one was Altered States. Altered States, and it was right. about the isolation tank. There's, there's another one. Um, yeah, Flipper. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm telling no, you and, true. And, well, and there's Sequest. I mean, even in t- 2010, the movie with Roy Scheider, his, his wife, like, they have a dolphin in their house. <laughs> That's the dolphin room. The yeah, dolphin the dolphin house. room. Yeah. But... <laughs> There's there's another movie has Leslie Nielsen in it. It was actually made in the Philippines, I think, in the seventies, and basically he commands like a MK Ultra like assassination squad. They're all like brainwashed and they they bump people off. So what's funny is for a while, um, Lily did his research in Florida at this place, and it's now called Marine World. <laughs> but at the at the time, it was so uh, I think it was owned by Universal Pictures. Probably <laughs> because they uh, they made the creature from the Black Lagoon there. Oh, okay. And uh, Lily actually helped with that film. Or how it worked was, you know, the guy in the rubber suit. Right. <laughs> well, he got to know Lily really well because this guy is, you know, trying to learn how to live underwater and be uh, authentic. Yeah. And uh, so after they finished filming Creature of the Black Lagoon, the guy wanted to produce a movie of of his own. And he, and he came up with the movie Flipper, and Fli- That's and, crazy. and Lily has credits. Yeah, he probably loved on that. that movie. Yeah, and then it became a hit TV series. And we're talking about <laughs> I remember that these uh, non-human stars. Yeah. I think we mentioned that last week. Oh yeah, Flipper. Flipper was a big one. Lassie. Yeah, but Flipper was influenced by John Lily's work. I point. never knew that. Okay, so they want results. The National yeah. Institute of Health. Okay, so did you know that um, Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover and John Lilly knew each other? I didn't know that. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to use his research for mind control and brainwashing. That's and what inter- he wanted to... And uh, interrogation. Um, yeah, and interrogation with the isolation tanks. And Not stuff just too. the isolation tanks, but that, that gets more into ultra. Uh, but they would... Uh, uh, they, I even read some stuff where they implant these electrodes and that they would stimulate parts of the brain to make people do things. And mm-hmm. uh, so um, he's kind of compliant. I mean, they actually knew each other, John Lennon and J. Edgar Hoover. Wow. Uh, but he sa- finally says, this is not ethical, man. Uh, so I got to get out of here. <laughs> and it might have been he started spending a lot of time in those isolation tanks. And I think I met him right during that transition when he quit um, um, the National Institute of Health. But before he started his place on the Virgin Islands, he he created the famous Dolphin House uh, in um, uh, the Virgin Islands. 
And that was, uh, he was doing a gig with uh, Poulter at the, uh, oh, and you know, a thing about Lily is that in 1961, they got together, who was it, Frank Drake? Oh, the, sure, uh, the Drake Equation. The Drake Equation, uh, Carl Sagan. Probably Freeman Dyson. Um, uh, this other guy, uh, he was a real famous dude. But anyway, all the leading uh, top minds got yeah, together for the summit. Okay. And they created SETI. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were going to do an array. They still are. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're still, still doing, doing it. <laughs> Actually, and, Paul Allen, he put a ton of money into it. They have something called the Allen Array. Well, all the founding members of uh, SETI right. uh, dubbed themselves the Order of the Dolphin. Really? And they all had dolphin pins that uh, when oh. they... Went to their dress-up meetings. They put on secret society. Well, yeah, maybe, but sort of. But secret club. uh, John Lindley's whole premise was, uh, you know, learning contact, how to talk to extra uh, or non-human biological life. You know, like a dolphin. He's smarter than what we are. Is what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, But they look at how they live. They live there. They communicate differently. He eventually found out that he. There's no way that a, a, a human mind can handle this. Uh, we can't talk Dolphinese. Right. So he spent a long time trying to t- get the dolphins to talk English. Probably easier. Uh, no, it turned out to be not so easy. No, I know I know they use icons. They can communicate yeah, oh, through icons. Oh, no, no. They're, they're remarkable learners. They're, they're fast. Um, uh, but they created the dolphin house, which was half submerged, yeah. so that the ocean life, the marine mammals, and the people could commune uh, together and get this interspecies dialogue thing going. And now the Russians use them for mines. Uh, no, yeah, mines. They, no, and and his dolphin house. No, I mean they're deployed right now in the Black Sea. Oh no, I'm sure they are. They are. <laughs> uh, yeah, they uh, can detect mines and. Yeah, yeah, the uh, submarines, all kinds submarines of and all that stuff, right? Uh, but well, what uh, Lily was trying to do was uh, learn how to uh, communicate communicate with an ancient, more intelligent form of life. Well, you know, you know what is interesting about what you were saying about the about the isolation tanks is that during Ultra, they actually tested that, and they would take soldiers that were they were volunteers. And I, I want to say they did it in Canada. I want to say it was in Montreal. There was a there was a hospital there, and they would bring these soldiers in. And again, they were all volunteers, at least in that case. The, the prison experiments were later. But they would put them in these isolation containers. They weren't in water. And they were trying to see how long they could last inside the isolation container. And I guess the record was three days. And they gave, they gave them food and, you know, they weren't starving or anything. But, yeah, they they described, like, seeing other planets, seeing other beings, like, seeing alternate timelines. But the one guy, the guy that made it to three days, he literally tore tore the thing apart to get out of it. He, he just completely lost it. Well, uh, but he did see alternate realities. John Lilly, um, to map inner space, 
Uh, he spent hours and hours and hours and hours, days and days. Oh, I don't doubt it. And um, with injecting high amounts of LSD. <laughs> yeah. And some um, uh Yeah, but see, what he did was he developed a lot of that stuff. Yeah. He invented the isolation tank. Although now, hey, people, they have float centers. Oh, I know. And uh, I remember when I was over there uh, in Palo Alto, they had, I, I heard up here they had like hot tubs where you could rent the hot tubs for an hour or uh -huh. something like that. Well, over in Palo Alto, they had float tanks. They still do. That you can uh, rent out. Actually, with. I had a friend up in Salem, Oregon. He, he did an isolation tank. Uh, he found it to be quite an experience. Well, yeah, the, I've only spent just a little tiny amount and it. We raided one of those places in the middle of the night after hours. Yeah. And I think I ended up spending about 40 minutes in there. I hear I was rousted out by, hey, it's my turn, man. Uh, but uh, we were on high doses of mushrooms. A guy grew them himself. Okay. Uh, spores were not illegal. No. Um, you could get them through the mail. It's called Lux Natra. And yeah. uh, he would, they came on little pieces of paper. And he would put them on the soil, and uh, they would grow. And he was a custom dude, I guess, because I was used to those Liberty Caps that collect up in Oregon. Yeah. And this guy, sophisticated stuff. I mean, there's different mushrooms that come from different countries and sure. stuff that have these psychedelic properties. There's also a frog from the Amazon. Yeah, but I ain't looking no frogs. Ah. <laughs> uh, and the, this, I heard it works, though. This, these are my college years, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, any red-blooded American during that time, I mean, this is the kind of stuff they do. Well, this is the 70s, right? And you know what? I heard voices. When I uh, totally was deprived of all stimuli, started off like, uh, I says, are those bees humming? Is that a stream flowing? And, uh, and then it kind of slowly turned into uh, voices. And, well, uh, that's... Yeah, I mean, that's one way to, to access the ether is through meditation or through So you're in isolation. complete darkness and right. I'm seeing lights, you know. I've done it. I've done it myself, yeah, except what I did is I, I used uh, eye coverings, right, like a mask. And then I listened to, um, I listened to uh, oh, what is it, white noise. And then you see things. But if you, uh, people use float centers actually, like these high powered whoever, oh, yeah. you know, and they have to calm down. <laughs> so yeah. they go into a float for an hour, a couple hours, and your blood pressure drops. Oh, it's relaxing. Uh, there was this one guy, his, yeah, his breathing turned into two breaths a minute. Well, that's, you know, like, that's that Wim, Wim Hof. Uh, Where he can control his breathing, he can stand or water for like twenty. This was a guy that minutes. had never done it before. Oh, okay. And uh, they were just monitoring. That's crazy. Well, uh, but I mean, Buddhist monks can do that too. Yeah, but I mean, float tanks. But too. not the first time. You ever. should see the mask that uh, Lily developed, man. It was cool. <laughs> it looked <laughs> like the Ant Man or something. Really? Yeah, because he thought goggles were too. They hurt. They invasive. You had yeah. to be completely. And it did. It look like the Ant Man costume. That's kind of freaky. Uh, you were giving me a weird look. <laughs> it was a mysterious look. So actually, we're supposed to be, yeah. So anyway. Anyway, back to your story. 
Well, I don't know. Folks, he's Spurs got this whole thing down. written out. No, no, I, no, I don't. He's got so notes. Here, here, this is why I have the notes. Well, it's important. It's because, uh, yeah, Lily's maxim <clears throat> and the Earth Coincidence Control Office. Right. I want to know more about the Earth Coincidence Control Office. Okay. Okay. So that's... So first of all, you kind of got to know Lily's maxim. Okay. And this is like really famous among all the uh, psychedelic uh, well, what, 60s. Let's do this. Why don't you do Lily's maxim and then we'll take our break and then we'll do the the coincidence control office. All right. So back. if you can play that journey, uh, John Lily thing. Do you want me to play it right now? Well, uh, no, let me say the maxim first and we'll take our break. Okay. Okay. In the province of the mind, what one believes to be true either is true or becomes true with certain limits. These limits are to be found experimentally and experientially. So when so found, these limits turn out to be further beliefs to be transcended. In the uh, province of the mind, there are no limits. So that's the famous Lily's maxim. All right. And so now uh, we have a, it's called Journey with John, Dr. John C. Lilly. We'll play that and kick off our, our break here. So uh, we'll, he spent the uh, last part of his life in Maui with the dolphins. There and, uh, are worse things that you could do. And so he got together with the native. Oh, he was responsible for the uh, Marine Mammal Protection Act. He was the man. Did, was he, did he do the Marine Mammal Center as well? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Where is that located? Oh, it's uh, by Santa Cruz, I think. You know, he was all over. It had anything to do with marine mammals. I think he was there. No, he, sounds, he sounds trippy. Okay, so go ahead. All right, and before I do that, uh, you're listening to the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki. I'm Captain Tiki Ola Phillips, and this is KAADLP 103.5 FM, Sonora. Aloha, my 
mua o mako i loa amai i a mako ke o lakinu Nā mahi nahala ka holani e hānau o ia e hānau o ia he makana aloha i ke kai e o la mau e e o la mau e e o la mau e Hāina ia mai kakoana i kakumili O ka hula hānau o kohola A pauloa i A pauloa i Communication with the whales and the dolphins 
is the greatest achievement that the human race can aspire to. Transcend, transcend, transcend. Infinite, infinite, infinite. Transcend, transcend. Infinite, infinite. In the province of dream time, there are no limits. The mind is infinite, 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 infinite. Communication, communication, communication. Dream time, dream time. In the province of the mind, what one believes to be true either is true or becomes true within certain limits. Infinite, infinite, infinite.
Sorry, guys. It spun a little bit there for a minute. But we're back. This is the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki. And yes, it's two hours. Uh, I thought that was funny. I'm uh, We broadcast live Thursdays uh, from 10 p.m. to midnight on KAADLP 103.5 FM over here in Sonora in Tuolumne County. You know, the guy that uh, actually told me that, he subscribed. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we have a fan. <laughs> right on. So that that last song, that was a Utopia by Goldfrapp. It's uh, supposedly, she wrote it about genetic engineering. It's about making people. All right. Now, we're going to get into something, and I'm very intrigued. Okay, so I had to give uh, this guy the creds that he deserved. You know, I mean, it's right. like this is a respected neuroscientist. Oh yeah, world that, famous. Uh, and uh, but he went from um, programming and metaprogramming of the human uh, biocomputer. Yeah. To from here to alternative. So then he started writing books that about the entities that he met at plus forty two. Okay. You know, and uh, NASA pulled this for their fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, they, they do things like that. Although I did hear a story from Dr. Richard Allen Miller that I was uh, telling Dave about, where he talked about doing ESP experiments with Edgar Mitchell, where he was in the Houston Control Center. And he was sending telepathic messages to Edgar Mitchell on the moon. And apparently, according to Dr. Richard Al Miller, they were successful. But he also told me that they grew uh, they grew ha- uh, magic mushrooms in regolith. That some of the moon dust that they brought back from the moon, yeah, I, I they heard, actually grew magic mushrooms in it. I heard that the first flight to the moon, the guy had a, one of the astronauts had a little tape player and played uh, Les Baxter's... Uh, <laughs> music I wouldn't doubt uh, on it on the moon uh, yeah. well there's you know you and me we gotta have another show about the whole moon thing cause there's there's a bunch of weird, really weird stuff about the moon there's this whole like Apollo 20 thing and yeah oh another thing I wanted to say about John Lilly before I get into Echo yeah is that uh um he came up with this idea of solid state intelligence. Oh, he right. was like right there on the ground floor of the development of the computers. I mean, he's the one that pioneered uh, brain activity imaging and things like that, right? Yep. Um, uh, so uh, he came up with this concept of solid state intelligence. He predicted the day when AI would become so sophisticated that there would be a clash between the uh, human biocomputers and the... Uh, artificial intelligence what he called the solid state intelligence well i think it's i think you know it's obviously in all kinds of science fiction novels but I, you know as an engineer i i think it's inevitable because there's there's a back when they were doing a lot of the stuff that you're talking about one of the things that and there's a really great documentary called the century of self and one of the things that they figured out well figured out's the wrong word one of the things that they discovered is that once they had the computers set up, that they, a bunch of psychiatrists and psychologists said, you know what, this is a really awesome diagnostic tool. 
And so these are, I mean, eminent psychiatrists and psychologists. So they started programming the computers with punch cards, and they put in cases that they had where they knew what the outcome was. This person's psychotic. This person's a sociopath. You know, this person's a paranoid schizophrenic, narcissist, whatever. And so they start programming the computer with punch cards to, with the diagnoses, and they want to see what the computer figures out. And every time the computer puts out the right diagnosis. So they're like, hey, this is fantastic. We want to publish this. The only problem is, is that they need a control group. In order for you to publish a scientific paper, you need a control group. So they decide, well, you know what? We're all psychiatrists and psychologists. We're the control group. We know what's wrong with us. So they put their stuff in and it came out that they're all psychopaths. Every single one of them was a psychopath. Every human that they put in there where they didn't have a major psychiatric issue, they came back as a psychopath. So if you take that model, you know, it's going to end up like the Matrix. Okay, so that's All right. a good segue Echo. Echo. into the Earth Coincidence Control Office. So uh, Lily visited all these alternate <clears throat> realities uh, during his time in the isolation tanks. Oh, and he finally decided that the only way you're going to communicate with dolphins is through telepathy. Makes and sense. that's uh, what he uh, spent a lot of time doing, too. But uh, there was this group of cosmic entities... And the uh, one that controls Earth is called the Earth Coincidence Control Office, or ECHO. Okay. All right. And uh, so there are nine conditions that should be followed by people who seek to experience coincidence in their own lives. Okay. So this is like a manual on how to create and manage Coincidence. coincidences. Okay. Okay. So the first one is, is you must know, assume, simulate our existence in echo. So what it just means is you got to believe that the uh, that echo exists. Exists, right? Okay. I, I do. So okay. So you read those off, and I'm going to try to set myself into that into that situation, and we'll see what happens. Okay. It's kind of like using the Randonautica. We're going to give it a try. All right, and then here's okay. one. I believe that Echo exists. I All do. right. So the next one is uh, learning. He had this concept of going with the alternate flow, okay? I and can do that. All right. So, so, so number two is you must be willing to accept our responsibility for control okay. of your coincidences. So there's a uh, entity uh, or something, some force... The force, <laughs> whatever yeah, I, it is. The I do suitcase. believe that. Okay. I, I definitely believe that. All right. All right. So you must exert, your, there's number three, you must exert your best capabilities for your survival programs. Okay. I and do you, that. I, and, I work as hard as I can. Okay. And your own development as an advancing advanced member of Echo's Earthside Core. Okay. Like controlled coincidence workers. I'm in. Okay, so I take that as you you got to accept some responsibility for your life. Yeah, I accept you know? responsibility for All my right. life. So even though that there may be forces uh, that uh, I have the power to I have the power to choose right to make decisions right. absolutely. 
So, but uh, you're automatically recruited into Echo's Earthside Core of controlled coincidence workers. Okay, I guess I'm an Earth-bound coincidence worker now. Uh, yeah, and you are expected to use your best intelligence oh. in this service. Okay, I, I'll. I, you know what, Echo? I will do the very best that I can. All right. I promise. Now, here's the next one. You are expected <clears throat> to expect the unexpected. Oh, I, I'm in. I'm a 14. Yeah, but, you know, I always thought if you uh, are ex- expected to expect the unexpected, wouldn't the unexpected be expe- ex- ex- expected? Expected. Right. <laughs> so. well, I'll, I'll tell you something funny about that when you're done. Okay. Well, because I, I actually do expect you are the expected to expect the unexpected. unexpected every minute, every hour of every day, and of every night. I believe that. Okay. Okay. Here's the next one. Then, you must be able to maintain conscious thinking, reasoning. So you got to keep your cool. Is how I interpret that. I can no, do that. No matter what events we arrange to happen to you. I'm pretty chill. All right. And th- these are actually uh, sent to him through the uh, the echo. Through the, the telepathic the, communication. Right, with these entities. I mean, these sound, these actually sound pretty similar to something. I've yeah, that's just it. You know, what I realized is like Timothy Leary actually <laughs> didn't come up with any of his own ideas. He was just no. in that crowd and uh, learned how to popularize. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, true of a lot of things. Like Elon Musk, you know, everything that Elon Musk comes up with came out of Rand in the 70s. So, you know, earth boring machines, you know, hypertube, hyperloop. Yeah, Rand 1972. I mean, it's. But it all fits in with Lily's philosophy because what you believe is true is Is true. true. Or has the capability to be true. Well, this is about manifestation of your own reality. So, okay, here we go. You must be able to maintain conscious thinking reasoning no matter what events we arrange to happen to you. And trust them, probably. Some of these events will seem cataclysmic, catastrophic, overwhelming. Right. But remember, stay aware no matter what happens or apparently happens to you. So Mm -hmm. keep your cool. Whatever's coming down the pike here. I'm ready. All right. You are in our training program for life. I There's no ex- escape from it. You're, no. You're born to, uh, uh, whether you like it or not or realize it or not, you're a member of this Earthside core of coincidence workers. Okay? And, uh, and now we, not you, control the long-term coincidences, but you, not we, control the shorter-term coincidence by your own efforts. Okay, so, so every action has a has a reaction, basically. Uh, so it says, uh, "I'm out of work. You know what can I do?" He says to the rabbi, and the rabbi goes, "Go up to the top of the mountain and wait uh, for the Messiah. It doesn't pay much, but it's steady work." <laughs> <laughs> Waiting always is. Yeah. So yeah, you have to uh, you. Do take control of your own life and try and the, to set the stage for these coincidences. And, and the outcome, you know, you have to own the, you have to own and have a responsibility for the outcome of your decisions. And that leads us to the next uh, nine. Uh, uh, As the music chills out, 
Right. The music is just such... Uh, That's a coincidence. Yes. He's, uh, your major mission on Earth is to discover, create that which we do to control the long-term coincidence patterns. So you are being trained on Earth to do this job. So you're, what your training is to expand it. So okay. you're aware of the long-term coincidence to see the patterns. patterns to see the patterns in it oh yeah in order to help i just see that uh learn how to manage them and uh, create them and keep them moving forward and right. keep them healthy so when your mission on planet earth is completed you will no longer be required to remain or return there sounds good to me all right so it says remember the motto passed to us from the galactic, galactic uh, coincidence uh, uh, commission to the, uh, so there's this hierarchy. Right. It says cosmic love is absolutely ruthless and highly indifferent. It teaches its lessons whether you like or dislike them or not. You know, I, <clears throat> I used to tell people that, that, that the universe, right, no matter what you believe, it ultimately comes to this idea of the universe, right? And the universe is going needs you to do something, and you're going to do it, whether you like it or not. And if it's going to, if the universe is going to teach you a lesson, it's going to teach it to you hard. It's it's going to be it's if the universe wants you to do something and you're not doing it, it's going to hit you with a sledgehammer. That's why I always tell people, and they never believe me. Until they get hit by the sledgehammer. Well, see, I always thought it's just an accumulation of experiences uh, mixed in with these archetypal collective un uh, unconscious uh, things that link us all together. Well, and you know, that creates the madness of what I am today. You know, it's interesting that there's an idea that there's this, you know, in, in esoteric philosophy. There, there's an idea that there's this council of people of, of well, they used to be people. Now they're ascended masters. They have different names. You know, it depends on which esoteric belief you you follow, right? But you know, the theosophists call it one thing. You know, other people call it another. But one one term for it was something called the secret chiefs, and they, the idea behind the secret chiefs. <clears throat> is very much the Earth Coincidence Bureau. It's same same thing. And they send you clues to things, and most people don't pay attention. And so because you're not paying attention, your your pathway is not optimized. I'm going to be a little engineer here. No, uh, I, I, that's you get totally it. the exact yeah. same thing. <clears throat> so one day... I'm, I'm watching TV. I'm at home. I'm watching TV. And a friend of mine uh, calls me and he's like, dude, there's a show. It's called Hellier. And, and mind you, I've done a lot of research into, you know, mysticism and esoterics and all that. He's like, dude, there's a show called Hellier. You got to watch it. And I said, you know what? I don't need to watch it. I've heard enough of Paul Hellier, the former minister of defense in Canada. He says he doesn't know anything about UFOs. <clears throat> I don't know how you could be the defense minister of Canada and have Canadian Air Force aircraft intercepting UFOs and UAPs and not know anything about it. It's just ridiculous. I'm tired of listening to that crap. I don't want to hear it anymore. 
He's like, no, no, no. It's not about Paul Hellyer. It's about Hellyer, Kentucky. <clears throat> so I'm watching this show. And, and the, the basis, actually, of a lot of it is based on a book that a friend of mine wrote called The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. Uh, his name is Alan Greenfield, Dr. Alan Greenfield. And Alan wrote this book, The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, The Secret Rituals of the Men in Black. And he says that the, he took something called the ALW Cipher, Cipher number six, and he used it in the context of UFOs. And he said that if you asked it, asked it the right questions, it would metaphorically respond. And it could technically tell you where the next major UFO sighting is going to be seen and when. But you have to understand how it communicates with you. And it's a manifestation of these ascended masters called the secret chiefs. Well, in the show, now mind you, before I watched the show, this had never happened to me in my whole life. But in the show, they get messages through balloons. I know it sounds funky, but you find these balloons in weird places. And the balloons have meanings. So is it like uh, the regular, like what you give a little girl, the helium balloon? Yeah. I guess it's a little girl. Yeah. Okay. And so an example is, well, anyway, so after I watched the show, right, it may actually start to happen to you now that I've told you, if you watch, and you get coincidences and synchronicities because a synchronicity and a coincidence is effectively the same thing. Sure. So you may start to see synchronicities with balloons now that I've told you about this. You know, it's funny that you should say that because, uh, you know, I, I went to clown school. I know. And uh, I spent I like like days. I, my fingers would be bleeding from tying off the strings of the balloons. I like you, man, but I don't like clowns. <laughs> no, I never wore uh, white <clears throat> face or it's, I was more like the hobo clown. Ho- hobo clown I can sort of deal with. But anyway, to give you an example, um, one day... I was driving along and I saw a happy birthday balloon. So I pull it and they, they have to be out of place. Like if you go to a birthday party, that doesn't count. Right. Right. And so I'm in the, the parking lot of a quick stop. And there's a ha- half deflated happy birthday balloon laying on the ground. And so I pick up the happy birthday balloon and I, I, I'm very early in understanding this process, which mimics the Earth Coincidence Control Bureau 100%. Like this, it's right out of echo, right out of what you just read. So I pick up the balloon, I take it back, and I call up Alan because I'm still trying to figure this whole balloon thing out. And I said, Alan, Alan, I got a happy birthday balloon. He goes, oh, this is auspicious. You're going to get a gift. And I'm like, really? Goes, yeah. So it's not only the appearance of the balloon, but how to interpret how it. How to interpret it and and the manifestation that comes from it. So I said, okay. He's like, watch out, you're gonna get a gift. So I'm doing some research into the ALW cipher because I actually publish his book. And I I found a separate cipher that exists. And it's it's actually it's based on the ALW cipher but it's more tonal and it's uh, almost musical the way the words come out. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, oh my God, I, I discovered a brand new cipher, you know, an esoteric cipher. Oh, that's your gift. That was my gift. From the secret chief. From the secret chiefs. Wow. Or the universe or, 
you know, fill the, in the blank. Yeah, which whichever. I mean, to me, I, I, I he, she, it. yeah, whatever it is, the ascended masters, effectively. Right. And and so you know, like, you know, you find a red star balloon. You know, that's the ruby ruby uh, thing. You, you know, you find silver stars. They mean something. But you find balloons, and the balloons correspond to synchronicities. And it's almost like a manifestation of what of echo sending you a message, but the message is sent also by balloon because you can't ignore. To give you a good example, I was driving through Alturas. Have you ever been to Alturas? I think so. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's up by Lassen. I mean, there's nothing there. It's hundreds of miles of forest in one town. The whole county has one town. Okay. And so we're driving along. And I, <clears throat> I was with my son. He goes, Dad, I think I see something in, in the trees. And we pulled over, and it's a happy birthday balloon. And so I do this random thing when I travel sometimes that I, I don't book hotels ahead of time, right? Just the adventure of trying to right, find somewhere to right. sleep, right? So I get to the next place that we're going, and there's no hotels anywhere. They're all booked. I found the last hotel in the last hotel room in the entire town. I would say that's a gift. Yeah. It's funny. I used to uh, deliver balloon bouquets. But so, and, and here you are. Ah, uh, addressed as a, uh, it will depend on what they want. You know, it's like, I remember one time I was trying to deliver this big balloon to, uh, um, dressed in a gorilla suit. That's awesome. And it was really hot. And the lady goes, man, you got to, you want a glass of water? You got to come in here for a minute. And she couldn't see me. Yeah. But she just knew I was suffering enough underneath there. And but I couldn't get the balloon was so big, I couldn't get it through the door. And you know what's funny about that is that now here you are and the Bigfoot Fest is at the end of August. And my, my physical anthropology professor did a thing about Bigfoot. And he actually dressed up in a gorilla costume and ran through a field and tried to convince us that he was Bigfoot. See, the synchronicities are working, man. I, I remember when I first moved up here, and there was so much discussion about Bigfoot up here. Right. Is uh, And uh, my mother, bless her soul, she was still alive. And uh, I would send her letters, you know. So, and then I sent her one that says uh, we have evidence of Bigfoot in our backyard and then uh, says here's his footprints and it says right on there Adidas <laughs> okay so I have I have in my possession I got it at Val in Valley Springs at a little junk store in Valley Springs oh sorry a vintage store in, Va in Valley Springs I go in there this 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 is a synchronicity dude I go in there and they have a, tiki, a massive tiki head. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, what, three, four, three, four feet tall. Very thin. And I'm like, dude, I need that tiki head. And the guy says, oh, I think I've got some more tiki stuff. I'm like, great. Hook me up. You got tiki mugs. What what you got? And he's all, oh, no, no. I'm like, well, so, well, you know what? Write down your name, and if I get any tiki stuff, I'll call you. I'm like, well, Valley Springs is like... 45 minutes away, but okay, sure. So I write down my phone number and I wrote, you know, Tiki, you know, UFOs and Bigfoot. He goes, 
oh, you like Bigfoot stuff. I'm like, dude, I love Bigfoot stuff. I've got the cast of the Bigfoot tracks, the whole thing, right? I love Bigfoot. I mean, ever since I saw Bigfoot, you kind of get obsessed with it. He goes, I've got something for you. I've got something for you. I'm like, okay. And he brings me out this wooden carved out Bigfoot track with a pair of Adidas shoes glued to it. <laughs> and he's like, there was some ranger who lived in Valley Springs and he, he ran some national park campground around here somewhere. And he used to put these on at night and he'd go run through the campground wearing these fake Bigfoot shoes and they were Adidas. See what I mean about the synchronicities? You just got to watch. Did you know that uh, we did the Old Time Medicine show? I coordinated an Old Time Medicine show for the Wild West Film Fest okay. that they used to have here every year. And then they bring in like uh, the cast of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman <laughs> or something like that. And Little House on the Prairie, uh, I think, once. Uh, well, no, he filmed a, uh, a lot. The Ingalls Ranch yeah. is where they, yeah, they filmed all that stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, what was I going to say now about the, oh, uh, so anyway, we featured Bigfoot uh, and he did stand-up comedy. Right on. And, uh, uh, and it, it was pretty, it was also with uh, the sharpshooting chicken and, uh, <laughs> You know, you were talking about being a... Oh, we actually had a real contortionist, the guy that really could do it. Really? Yeah. You know, it's funny, you were, you were mentioning about, about going to clown school. I know that I know this guy, sort of. And he, he's actually, he's a professor. What is he a professor? He's like a professor of sociology at the University of Bath in England. And he um, he's an interesting guy, but his... His primary specialty is like the language of propaganda. So he's written it. He wrote his dissertation on like the language used in propaganda. Like he's, he's an world expert in propaganda, but there's this, he wrote a book called, what was it? The man without hands. It was, it's this like conspiracy thing that he got wound up in accidentally. And it's like a legit, like conspiracy thing. Right. And, uh, Apparently, he came across something in the process of that that scared him pretty severely. And, it, you know, it's kind of like the men in black show up and give you a talking to kind of thing. And so he won't talk about it. But what he does is it, this is weird. He dresses up as a clown and he goes to comedy, comedy nights and dressed up as a clown, he explains like conspiracy theories to people like about this thing that he worked that. on. I love that. Yeah, because he said that that uh, he doesn't feel like they'll shoot a clown. That's what he told me. Yeah, the the fool, the jester, the can jester, say anything, anything he wants. They want. Yeah, and that and goes right for like moms. Maybe she come out with no teeth and a house dress and slippers, and then start saying the most like outrageous, not outrageous. I mean, very powerful. Yeah. Like statements on human rights. And right. Stuff and everybody just swallow that stuff up. Yeah, he does it. He he talks about, you know, this this conspiracy thing that he they even made a documentary. It's on Amazon. But I think it's a man with a man without hands. And, you know, it's this crazy like octopus kind of if you're familiar with the octopus kind of thing. And yeah, he, he will he literally like somebody went to go interview him. 
And he said, hold on a minute. And he comes out dressed up as a clown. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I will only talk about this as a clown. Look, Mod, he does squid jokes. <laughs> Boy, you don't see every day people doing squid jokes. You know? No, but I mean, it's it's in, it's interesting. <laughs> a little no, weird, I, I get, know. but nobody's a very he's a we very interesting guy. We actually called it Delarte, Delarte, the, the art. Yeah, I ain't good. Um, and it uh, has a very old, ancient tradition. Yeah, and a lot of it does have to do well with situation comedies, actually. But it was a way of dissimulating, uh, uh, spreading culture. Yeah, I mean, it's like science fiction that a lot of social ideas and social commentary is done through science fiction. I uh, I read this book, Bo- a box of earthly delights. I think it was a children's British children's book, and the images of this old Punch and Judy man. Yeah. That would travel from town to town, and really, he was part of this ancient. Sh- shaman order that's a protector yeah. of this magic box and this young kid gets involved with him but that image of the wise traveling man mm-hmm. and uh, but he's like the puppeteer or the clown or right. you know, like the the uh, itinerant performer and uh, that's an image I'm way locked into oh yeah I'm digging the earth, con- earth coincidence control organization yeah, so here's the final thing that I wrote down. Okay, and uh, I'm ready. And this is John Lilly, and that whole thing about the coincidence control thing ends up making more sense. Here's his like Makes scientific view okay. of this. Presum- uh, presumably, there are energies to which each human is sensitive that we cannot yet detect by means of our instruments. You see all these scientists, man, they're all... That's what they spend their life doing is measuring and mapping. That, I guess well, that's my, what the scientific field is about. Well, my grandfather, you know, he he was a physicist and a mathematician. And he eventually became, he got his doctorate in divinity. And he, I asked him why, and he, he said that he found God in the numbers. So a lot of scientists actually, they do go that route. They find some kind of an esoteric belief. Well, you know, one thing about numbers is you can count on them. That's true. You can count on them. Okay, so there are energies which people are sensitive to, but you can't detect it with uh, instruments. You can't measure it. But built into our brains and our bodies are very sensitive, tunable receivers for energies that we do not yet know about in our science, but that each one of us can detect under the proper circumstances in the proper state of mind. We can tune our nervous systems and bodies to receive these energies. And we can also tune our brains and bodies to transmit these energies. So uh, that's like his scientific justification. view of the echo. Yeah, no, I mean, when you started explaining echo, I'm like, I know the same thing called like four different other things, right. whether it's the secret chiefs or the, you know, the, this brotherhood or that brotherhood or this sisterhood or that. And he went and studied under yogis and oh, yeah. stuff like that. He tried, tried it all to try to, try to map it out. the mind. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, it, you know, when you look at what some of the, the Tibetan Buddhist monks can do, I mean, they, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. 
But, you know, he spent so much time in that isolation tank. In the end, uh, he said he'd, he'd wish he'd spend more time just being human. You know, uh, what he came at the end, is kind of Buddha-esque in a way, is that he spent all this time uh, contemplating his navel and then said, okay, uh, now I can enter back into uh, uh, the fullness of life. Well, there, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the problem, right, is to, to truly understand the nature of these esoteric things. You have to become one with them. And that's why the, the notion of the ascended master exists, right? Because at some point you lose touch with the humanistic side of yourself. And, and I don't, I mean, it depends on which belief you have, but, you know, if you, if you follow it for, far enough, it's like one day you go poof and you vanish. You know, and there's this idea of, of crossing, depending on your belief system, there's this notion of, of crossing, I think it's a Darar, Darar, it's a Sebaroth. It's like a, you cross the great abyss and in crossing the great abyss, the final challenge is to be confronted by yourself and you have to take ownership of, of the nature of you. But in doing that, you destroy yourself and you become ascended. So I'm not surprised that he... Tether. The, uh, the crown, and you have to cross the abyss between Bana. Yeah, and, and da, Dael. <laughs> I forget. Doth, D-A-A-T-H. Doth, yeah, that's right. You got it. Um, and and in, But in doing that... But you have to be in Malkut, uh, grounded in, in, in the earth. And, uh, and you're not a fortian. No, that's basic Kabbalah. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I went to Hebrew school. <laughs> the yeshiva. Uh, although they didn't actually. Uh, but still, I mean, yeah, you, you, are, you self-annihilate as you cross the abyss. The, the final step is self-annihilation. Well, I actually never got sense. off the ground, I guess. Well, but that, nobody does. Because if you, if you cross the abyss, you're not here anymore. Uh, Dave, I, when you cross the abyss, you can't come on here and, and hang out with me anymore in the middle of the night. Oh, so you, uh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> So no crossing the great abyss for you, okay? John Lilly says you have the choice of either remaining here or, yeah, you uh, do. or uh, going on. Beca- but that's, even in Kabbalah, that, or, or any of these esoteric operations, that's the end result is that you have a choice. You always have a choice. You can, and notice the music got all upbeat. Yeah. You always have a choice. Like you can ascend or not ascend. See, I feel like I ascend most uh, when I lose myself in service to the community. And, That's probably uh, true. Um, uh, and I, I'm more of the, uh, but then see, I was there in Palo Alto and uh, with Vic Lovell's psychodrama theater and stuff. So it was like um, uh, more, it was rowdy. It wasn't sitting and meditating. Uh, no, but it was a, a different dance phase. with bliss. Well, yeah, but that's uh, ecstatic dancing. I mean, that's that's what the, you know, the, the Hare Krishnas do or the. Uh, um, but you do it in communion with others. Yeah, the, well, that, that before everything went bad up in Oregon, I mean, that's what the Bhagwan Rajneesh, I mean, the Rajneeshis, they did ecstatic dance. There'd be a thousand of them 
ecstatically dancing and the amount of energy that they created was insane. I'm not advocating of what Rajneesh did or what Mahanan Shiva cereal. Did you? Yeah, but uh, my you know dad that? said that he went up there and there was armed guards before oh, they yeah. got in. And yeah, that, that was the Peace Force. Yeah, they had oh, Uzis. Okay. They were dressed in purple. They had Uzis. That was Manan Sheila. But, you know, they, they actually rebranded Rajneesh. And since, you know, he had, after the whole thing up in Oregon, Rajneesh had a, had a bit of a, a bad rap. You know, Manan Sheila, she, you know, she spent, did some prison time. After they poison the the sizzler, they poison a bunch of sizzler like like uh, salad bars up in Oregon. <clears throat> but anyway, That's he had kind of fun. he had kind of a bad rap. So instead of calling, I guess so yeah, instead of calling him Rajneesh, uh, they uh, they call him Osho. Okay. So if you ever see Osho, that's Rajneesh, and he he claimed that he didn't. Like, he didn't know about any of it. Like, Mahanan Sheila was, like, drugging him. Like, half the time he was, like, drugged out of his mind. All right, boy. You are going into the dark side, man. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, you know, they, they would do ecstatic dancing with, like, a thousand people. So, I, uh, my old girlfriend that I had, she belonged to the Starhawks uh, Coven. And they would uh, have these uh, meetings. Oh, the meteor showers are. are I was going to get to that at the end. Yeah, and um, but they would generate a cone of power through uh, dancing and these big horns and stuff. And it was just like you know, in the Blues Brothers, when he has that hallelujah moment. Oh yeah. Uh, and starts doing hand flips and stuff. You could actually feel the power go through you. And they would send out the cone of power. To like destroy all nuclear weapons. And stuff. Well, that didn't quite work, but no. But I mean, I would tease her. I says, "Well, this is adult Girl Scouts," <laughs> and she'd make little charms and stuff. It was pretty cool. But we would also go to the OTO meetings, right? And they were so ritualistic. There was no feeling of power uh, actually there. To well, me. that's that's because they're they're ceremonial magicians. The 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 point of the OTO is to generate power through ritual. And so the power that's created is not omnidirectional. It's kind of pointed at something. So they would, they would do, they would do a, a magic thing to generate something else versus creating a cone of energy that you're just inside. Because I mean, I've been inside. So they would send it out. Oh to, Yeah. I have effects as below, so Absolutely. above. But both of them have that same philosophy. Yeah. Uh, but I just found uh, Barbara's little coven uh, was pretty effective. At, oh, yeah. I'm, I have no doubt. I mean, you know, it's on occasion, I'll, I'll make some orgone generators. And it's like you can feel. You can feel it. Yeah. I tried to sell them once, but I didn't really feel right but even willem rock tried to sell his oregon blankets and they didn't go very well Oh no people buy them that's <laughs> not the problem it just it doesn't feel right it's more like i should make an oregon generator for a person because you need it it's just me i don't want right. to sell it okay maybe i'll make you an oregon generator you look like you could use one uh, probably so we'll help you stay awake that's right <laughs> <laughs> Although I used to work, you know, I worked in the mental hospitals and uh, the guy, and I'm talking uh, this stuff to uh, Dr. Wallach, Harold Wallach. 
And uh, he says, well, the Oregon blankets work pretty good if you have somebody up underneath there with you. <laughs> That's a different conversation that we can save for another time. That's a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, I the said, generation of Oregon. I go, yeah, our goal is individuation for all these patients, right, Doc? And he goes, no, it's to stabilize them and get them out the door. <laughs> No, Reich, Reich is really his own show with his, his uh, Cloudbusters. I knew somebody who built a Cloudbuster. Oh. It actually worked. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. So. But yeah, so, yeah. Um, Love this mad scientist stuff, huh? Oh, they're the best. Yeah. The real ones. Yeah, well, Lily certainly qualifies. Oh, no, he, that's, that's interesting right. stuff. Hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a challenge if you're willing can right. I decide after you tell me? Yeah, you can decide right. after it's I tell you. like pull a card, huh? No. All right. Okay. You go find something. You come back next week. You go find something weird you want to talk about. All right. Because this this thing about Lily, this was phenomenal. This I, I've never heard this stuff. Go find something weird, and if you're willing, you come on next week, and we'll, we'll go through it. All right. So does uh, a randomly meeting Michael McClure on a bus and say, here, kid, here's some tickets to my new show, and it's his uh, version of Faust? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that counts. <laughs> hey, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one for me. So I go see the Dalai Lama. <laughs> no, no joke. I go, see no, the, I, I go see the Dalai Lama over at, uh, well, I forget where I saw him. But anyway, so Shoreline. I went to Shoreline, and I'm in the – Shoreline has these uh, these seats you can get where it's like grass. And so I drive all the way out to Shoreline, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, you know what? They have a bookstore, so I'm going to go down to the bookstore. I'm going to see if I can find any art books of, like, Tibetan art because I really like Tibetan art, right? And by the way, if you like Tibetan art stuff, the I forget the name of the shop, but the one over down on the main main drag – it's pretty good. He's legends? Got, yeah. And or he's, not legends. Uh, no. It's, um, yeah, he's been there for so many years. Oh, yeah. He's got great, great uh, bowls. Right. He, he's got those uh, Peruvian hats with the you pull over your head. But he, he also has the brass bowls. Yeah. Those are wonderful. I actually have one. Well, anyway, um, so I go <laughs> so I go in the bookstore, and I'm, they have all these like used books. It's not like new books. They're all used, but they're all like Tibetan art and whatever. I'm flipping through them. And I really want to see this book, but there's this tall guy in the way, right? And I'm, you know, I don't want to kind of bust up his his experience because the whole thing was kind of an experience, not just listening to Dalai Lama speak, but it was just even going. Sure. And so I don't, I don't want to mess up his experience. <clears throat> Everybody's being super kind. It was like the kind cone had like landed, you know, and everybody's being super nice to each other. Yeah, and I, I like to hear that. Yeah, it was it was pretty magical. Well, anyway, so I, I'm kind of looking down and he's wearing these sandals, right? And he's got like linen pants on and a linen shirt on. He, he's really gone with the flow here. Right. Okay. Me, I'm in shorts and a plaid shirt. Well, that's just your normal everyday That's dress. just <laughs> how I dress. I wear shorts and a plaid shirt. When you go to Bigfoot Fest, you'll find me. I'll be wearing I'll be wearing my uh, my Bigfoot tiki shirt and shorts. Anyway, so I look up and it's Hugo Weaving, 
Agent Smith from The Matrix. Wow. He's just standing there, and I'm like, I, I was like, excuse me, I'd like to see that book. And in this thick Australian accent, he goes, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry I'm in your way. And he, like, shuffles off to the side, and I look up to him to thank him, right? And I'm like. And that's when you recognize him? I'm like, oh, my God, that's Agent Smith from The Matrix, yeah. I was like, thank you so much. So, he took all that seriously. He's working probably oh, yeah. for his next part. Actually, I have, well, I, <clears throat> I gave it to my girlfriend, but I had the Mahabharata that belonged to Jillian Anderson from the X-Files. Wow. Yeah, Agent Scully. I had her copy of the Mahabharata. You know, when I was a kid, 12 years old at the same time I met Dr. Lily my hobby was collecting famous monsters of Filmland oh those are the best uh, I was a little different <laughs> I didn't collect that I collected comic books I like the Punisher and uh, Nick well, yeah, Fury for me it was Vampira Vampira yeah yeah those uh, sure it was those black and white graphic artists from Mexico yeah. I did a lot of those books, and they were very beautiful. They they are their own form of art. To this day, uh, downstairs in my basement, I have the uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, black and white graphic novels. You better uh, hang on to those. Uh, they're actually very good. No I, doubt. I like the artwork. Or it reminds me of, uh, so I also have, uh, at the Earth's Core series, as Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yeah. And uh, uh, first editions, wow. and they had these beautiful illustrations. You would not, you know, where they get all these swords and sorcerer kind of uh, Frazetti and all those guys where they, yeah. where they're coming from because it's these like uh, partially nude girls uh, posing next to pterodactyls and saber toothed tigers. I actually knew a guy. <laughs> I knew a, I knew a comic book artist named Den, Den Bovis, 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 and he he did some stuff like that for Dragon Magazine. Yeah, it's beautiful artwork. It's it is beautiful artwork. All right, well that that has been another uh, thrilling two hours of the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki Miola Phillips. So tune in next week for another one of Life's Little Mysteries <laughs> with Dave Allen. And uh, thank you for listening. You can find me uh, every here every Thursday from 10 p.m. to midnight. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as the Captain Tiki Show. You can find me on Facebook as Olav Phillips. That's Olav with a V instead of an F. I'm not a snowman. And uh, you can email me, uh, Olav, O-L-A-V, at A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E-S dot net. Don't be a stranger. Uh, let me know if you have a request. But, yeah, Dave, you got to come back next week. you got to find something something weird to talk. You're good at this. This is good stuff. I, I like this. I had no idea about the Earth Coincidence Bureau. Oh, yeah, that was uh, Lily's big thing. I, I didn't even know that much about Lily. No, it's fascinating. It, it is. You notice how I like these because uh, he was like it's personality. Uh, another scientist explorer, except for it was yeah. explorer of the mind. So uh, that's one of the best places to explore, and we didn't even do dark. We didn't even do high jump, Operation well, High Jump. And I'm sure you're an expert on that. Story. Oh, I know all about high. Well, I know about the stories of high jump. Yeah, and that's the funny thing about it is, is you go to the roots of these. Uh, like Lily was practicing medicine in the 40s and 50s, and then he right. got weird in the 60s. A lot of people and, did. Uh, are, uh, but you see a lot of these bases 
Because he worked with one of the Majestic 12. Oh, yeah. Once you start following these things. <laughs> yeah, he was supposedly you, on Majestic 12. Yes, uh, this is true. But, but um, <laughs> you can see the correlations and why these certain stories come out. Yeah. Uh, well, mean, Majestic 12 is, that's its own whole thing. Uh, so you want to talk about... Uh, Majestic alien tw- bases uh, in the <laughs> Antarctic? Not alien bases. <laughs> okay, whatever uh, they found out there. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you all about. I'll tell you all about high jump. All right. Okay, so we'll save that for next time. Okay, we. You want to do high jump? Uh, well, and related activities. I'll leave. I'll tell you what. I'll we'll just. I'll challenge you. You come up with something weird. Okay. And then we'll. Uh, we'll discuss it. We'll discuss weird stuff. Okay. And, uh, it's well, great having you on. It really is. And we'll invite the audience to yeah. join us on our journey. Absolutely. We are all but travelers on this journey of life. Okay. <laughs> all right, everybody. So. Well, again, thank you for tuning in. Remember, uh, every Thursday, uh, 10 p.m. to midnight, uh, send us messages. Let us know you're out there if you have anything you want to uh, have us talk about, people you want me to interview. Yeah, let me know. And, uh, oh, don't forget, uh, big, big uh, Perseid meteor shower this weekend. Uh, look northeast after midnight. But technically, uh, as soon as the sun goes down. But I think the peak is somewhere around 2 or 3 a.m. Yeah, because it's going to be uh, the new moon. Everything's going to yeah. be dark. It's going to be dark. Fine. I'll be out there with my night vision goggles. And uh, Tiki Fest, uh, August 25th, 26th, 27th. I'll definitely be in there on the 27th, uh, hanging around the booth. I have a spinny wheel of prizes. Um, I'm busy making some prizes. So, yeah. Stop wheel by and say hi. Fortune. Yes, I have the Wheel of Fortune. <coughs> I bought it on Amazon, like everything else. Free plug for Amazon. All right, guys. Well, have a, have a wonderful rest of the night, and uh, I'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks. Bye. Bye.